0: Uh, Genesis chapter twenty four. If you have your if you have your hand out there, if you want to open up your Bible to it, it's good. Um, we're going to begin here this year with these concepts in play, and we're going to talk a little bit about foundations. I have a vision in mind, a, a thought. And so we'll begin here. This is the account of uh, what will be an aging Abraham. And so I'm just catching you in the middle of it, verse 3, I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of earth, Thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. Very important verse, verse 3. Now the next one. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Preadventure the woman will not be willing to follow me into this land. Must I needs bring thy son again? Unto the land from whence thou camest? It's a very interesting question. Verse 6. And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. And that is the most perplexing of them all. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me and sware unto me, saying unto thy seed will I give this land, he shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from this okay we'll pause there and i'll do a little uh declaratives and unpacking for us i wrote on your bullets and i think it's pertinent and i i wanted to put it in print so that if you ever pick this up again you'll have some clue as to where we were going tonight The challenges of our age seem to be growing. Staying focused on godly things is not a task given to the weak-minded or apathetic. Rather, to be centered on Christ, His word comes with persistence. Of course, there's many other things that attend to that I did not write. The foundations of our lives are not always seen. In fact, most of the time they are hidden. No one can see them. But the results of those foundations are in constant display. Outcomes are often tied to the foundations of our lives. Therefore, if we seek to have peace, understanding, wisdom, or any of those healthy benefits, most of which I have not listed here tonight, then we must return to our foundations and investigate how and where we are built. I would just add to that writing, if you're listening or jotting down notes, um, that eventually, whatever building is built, eventually, at some juncture, the foundation will declare the flaws. It has its own revelation over time. Over time, if the foundation is not correct, the building will show the stress marks, the cracks, because the foundation wasn't poured or wasn't um, built correctly. Jesus talked about the foundations of a wise man and a foolish man. He didn't talk about the house. The house was the same. The rooms, the square footage may have been exactly the same. It was the foundation that he uh, identified. The distinctive was not the building. It was never the building. The distinctive is never the rooms. The distinctive is never the job. The distinctive is is, is never even What church it is. It's the foundation. We're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The Bible says Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. So whatever church is is in existence, the foundation determines the church. Whatever belief system you have, the foundation determines your viability or your longevity. The foundation. Family foundations are incredible. In fact... It almost, to me, it almost seems uh, like an oxymoron because the foundations always attend to family. There are, no, there are no foundations of life outside of the family structure. The nuclear family is where all foundations are created, are destroyed. There are grown men well into their 50s and 60s, some maybe beyond that, that are still dealing with the false and, and maybe, if I could say... Um, disruptive early years the foundations were never poured correctly and the only way that those men can become strong again is if they go back to their foundations and tear up some things and then relay some things that comes from of course (laughs) very difficult tasks what are the difficult tasks how do you change yourself well, let me, let me, you can write this down. It's not on your, your handout. This is just things that you must know. Self awareness. If you're, if you're not self aware, you'll never change anything. It's self aware. Self awareness is a, it's, it's a far leap from a selfie. Selfie is a, is a moment in time. Self awareness is how you're acting. It's your attitude, self awareness. The other thing to change your foundation is to be able to seek out forgiveness. And that's difficult because then you have to deal with pride and the ego part of life. It's, it's, a, it's important. A lot of people are trying to do complex mathematics, but they didn't really learn how to add and subtract very well. And so a lot of people are trying to deal with very complex family issues, but they didn't learn the small necessities of seeking for forgiveness and being pure and being right. And how about honesty? There are marriages and families that are struggling. And the reason why is because people are not honest. So we're talking a little bit about foundation here because like we can't really build anything that has value if the foundation is not correct. The foundations could be could be horribly um, dysfunctional or um, they could be corrupt I, I, I hesitate to go into all of my notes, but I was looking through some old notes, and in a succession of of a week in, uh, in one week in succession, three, three people met with me some years ago, and in that one week, each of them told me the worst stories I could ever hear. And not only did it, did it hurt my heart, turn my stomach, but it revealed why, why those particular uh, family members have struggled so much in their lives. Foundations were messed up. I would just offer these three elements. Now, I will not exhaust any of these lists tonight, but these are just three elements of a sure foundation. Of course, the only sure foundation, as written in the King James Bible, is that which is laid in Zion. So I'm not covering that necessarily, but just for all of you biblical scholars, the only time that those words are mentioned together, a sure foundation um, refers to Zion. It's Jerusalem, it's it's the, the, um, the city where God said he'd put his name. But the elements of a sure foundation in this life, as it pertains to your life and to mine, they begin, it begins with obedience. Everybody say obedience. I wish I could just move on past the first layer of that foundation, but it's so critical and it's so, actually, it's so foreign to so many people. Because obedience has a lot of deterrence in it. Uh, deterrence to it, maybe I should say it that way. And, and I don't have this on your handout, but there's a lot of room. I left your room to do more than just color a picture of a smiley face or of pastor. I do get those pictures of me. I've got a whole stack of pastor pictures, mostly of stick figures they gave to me for Christmas. Um, there are deterrence to it, obedience, subjectivism. Subjectivism is a big deterrent to obedience, um, uh, opinion, or the crowd, the masses, who thinks what. Um, I won't get too deep into this, but mass consciousness is directing most of our culture today. Do you understand? Mass consciousness directs most of culture. Culture is now defined by, by a sweeping um, uh view of a, of opinions that topple um, maybe traditional concepts or even if it 's pure concepts mass consciousness i 'm doing some research on different areas, but one of the research um, uh, projects that i 'm that I put myself on is just uh, trying to categorize and I do it through world report it 's a it 's a christian magazine, but i 'm doing it through world report but there 's multiple different venues where where um, where both media and government is trying to normalize things that the Bible speaks against. And so mass consciousness is creating a world, a culture that you and I are living in, and it is always adverse to the obedient factor in the Bible. The other part of a sure foundation is it, it's a mixture of departures and retentions. So if you're building a, a, a typical foundation... Departures mean um, that it it uh, it it moves. It keeps things out. It keeps things out. So a good foundation will keep out moisture, and 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 a good foundation will keep um, uh, heat and air conditioning inside. The foundation does that. So a, a, the elements of a sure foundation has those two. They look like they're polar. Uh, movements but when in fact they are one and the same there's there's both insulation and isolation it's keeping things out and and keeping things in a good foundation and the final one and just the family's uh, foundation is endurance this is how you know that there is a sure foundation now I want to tell you about endurance or long lasting foundations No one knows what that foundation is overnight. You don't really know how strong you are until time has passed. Because time is a commodity that cannot be replaced. But also time is the greatest uh, relevatory aspect of all life. Time. Over time. uh, Time has shown uh, young preachers that they weren't really equipped. Time has shown powerful preachers because they stayed through thick and thin. Um, my father laughed one time and told me, um, about his longevity. I don't know how many years, 35 plus years in, in Missouri, he pastored. And he said, well, I, the reason, the secret to my longevity was I stayed as a pastor when, uh, the people wanted me to stay. And I stayed when they didn't want me to stay. And I stayed when I wanted to leave. And I stayed when I didn't want to leave. Uh, so there was not, no big mystery in that over time, time. Doing the right things over time always manifests itself into the blessings of family and of God. If you consider what you would have been today, if you would have just put a mere $1,000 into an IRA in 1972, I want to tell you right now, your life would be incredibly different. 2.31 million dollars richer today. But who did it? Because we thought that's a long ways to go. It might have been $2,000 in, in, in the Roth IRA account. Um, when the stock market was in just like the mere two thousands um, And the ebb and flow. But over time, the foundation is revealed. If the foundation is strong over time. See, that foundation of sand and stone was not revealed in the day it was built. It was revealed in the moment of great turmoil and duress you don't really even know who you are until you go through a season of turmoil and duress you do not know your foundation and if you find yourself in a conflict or a crisis that is a good indication to go back to your foundation and say we've got to relay things in our lives i texted my kids of course three of them have have ability for me to text and I told them, dad's top ten things for success. Um, and I'm, I'm figuring this out. I can text all of them. I'm, and then I want to know if they're reading it. I don't know if they're reading it. I have to ask them. They push a little like button with a thumbs up at the top of the text. Which indicates nothing to me. Except that they decided that I would get off their back if I did that. But then I quizzed them about this. Um, And one of those things is that there would be a routine. It looks boring, a routine. Or as Dr. Hughes has said, a boring life is often a more secure life. The boring marriage. Because people, of course, and he says that tongue-in-cheek, because we... We don't understand endurance, faithfulness, steadiness, being at the same place at the same time over and over again. Yes, that that man that you love so much when you're dating, he's mysterious. He comes and goes like the wind. He's almost like the Holy Spirit. You don't know where he's coming. He comes in, swoops in, gives flowers. He disappears two or three days later, takes you for a date. Guess how long that lasts after you're married? Not long. He becomes less mysterious and more of a misery when he shows up and you don't know where he's at. Mm-hmm. I, I I go back to our to our scripture because this is important for us. I've got to get to the scripture. Abraham's foundation was profound. It lasted a long time. It was in fact the very and, and I say this the vehicle when I say a vehicle. It, not that foundations moves, move, but, but it moved him into the place where he could withstand even his own failures. A strong foundation will keep you even when you fail and you make a mistake. Cause you will. No one has lived this life without regrets or own personal failures. But a foundation, it will not just protect you from the things you did not deserve and could not see, but it will also protect you from your own failures and Abraham, as I have many times exposed his own failures, but a strong foundation, and his foundation came through the very things that I listed at the beginning. Obedience came. Here's Abraham's influence. He was a friend of God. The only one in the Bible called as such. A friend of God. This is an elevation of profound significance. A friend of God. I was with one of the judges today for a little while, and I had just saw someone else, and um, we were just standing there talking, and I said something to someone else, but um, then I turned and I was talking again to one of the judges, and he was greeting me and so very kind, and we talked for a while, and the other person, of course, Didn't know that I knew the judge. So the judge left. And and of course, the question, you, you know him? Yeah, he's a friend of mine. Yeah, It's nice to know somebody. It's nice to say that they're friends of yours. If you can say that you're a friend of God, or if God can say that he's a friend of yours, it puts you on a different level. Now there's a reason for that. The reason is because... Abraham did something that I want to shine light on tonight. And I'm, I'm very concerned, at least from my childhood up till now, and even in many circles, it, it, it garnishes almost no attention at all. Abraham was obedient to God. God called him out. Okay, he called him out and said, leave your family and come, I'll show you where you're going to go. It, it, there's almost there, there's almost no one talking about that moment because the moment is so fleeting in the scripture. The sentence comes and goes. It, it has almost no fanfare. David, as a boy picking up stones and running after Goliath, has been preached a million times more than that one moment where abraham obeyed god and left the earth the chaldeans and left his family and moved away he doesn't know where he's going he doesn't know how he's going to get there but he obeys god this doesn't look it doesn't look significant until you read the scripture and the first 11 chapters of the scripture cover two thousand years and then the breaks go on and the next 11 covers one man's life the attention of Abraham. 2,000 years and 11 chapters. And then the rest of it, same scripture portions, almost. It deals with Abraham's life. Abraham left everything he knew. See, God wanted to make a covenant with Abraham. He wanted to make a covenant, but he could not make the covenant with just anybody. He had to make a covenant with someone who Obeyed God without a sign or anything in return. Yes. Abraham's influence. He had influence with God. He influenced God. He could have halted the judgment of God against Sodom and Gomorrah. He just couldn't find ten people that were righteous. God had the fireballs in his hand ready to throw them down and Abraham stopped him and said if I can find 100, about 50, how about 30, 20, 10 he couldn't find 10 but Abraham stopped the judgment of God Abraham was renowned in all the land of course there's a reason why Abraham was renowned and you can put next to that because he was a well digger (laughs) Oh, I don't have time to do this. Abraham was a well digger. He dug wells, life, the water that flows. It's the life. And Abraham brought life to a barren region and he named the wells. And he was wealthy because from the water, his crops, his land, his, his livestock were fed from the water. He was a worker. He was renowned. He was wealthy. And finally he was connected to Melchizedek. Now some of you would love for me to get down into Melchizedek because you've asked me to do that and I've said no on multiple occasions. No, I'm not going to do that and the the floor is not open. But I will say that Melchizedek uh, was after the order of the high priest and he was a very special man, the king of Salem. And Melchizedek was the spiritual influence and leader. Whether he was a theophany or not, I would not say that. But he, I do believe he was a man, but he was a spiritual leader. And he was so powerful and spiritual um, that I would submit him as a priest. And I say that because Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek. Abraham was connected to God, he was connected to his to his community or land or population and he was connected to a spiritual leader. He had great influence with all of them and they influenced him. Now let's just get into this small scripture reading where Abraham's eldest servant, his name is Eleazar, you can find this later in chapter 25, his name is Eleazar, is sent. He is sent to find Isaac, a wife. This is interesting and this is what perplexed me. That Isaac is not sent to find a wife. See, we've got to go back to the foundation. Something about the foundation of Abraham's life has got to stay secure. It's got to stay secure. There's a foundation. He cannot mess up the foundation because what's in that foundation is bigger than him. So Abraham sends Eleazar back to his home country to find a bride. Because Abraham and his family were living in Canaan. Canaan was was a place that had heathen people. They did not follow God. They did not obey the Lord. They did not make sacrifices to God. And Abraham wanted to continue something in the life of his son. Abraham is 140 years old when he sends Eleazar back to find a bride. That means that Isaac is 40 years old. Now pray tell, couldn't you find your own wife at 40 years old? Why would he not send Isaac back? Why does he refuse? In fact, the Bible says in in no uncertain terms... Do not bring my son back to that land. The King James says, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. Don't bring him back. I cannot have Isaac running the risk of Isaac going back to where I came from. I'll take a wife from there. But he can't go back. Why is that? Because one night in the middle of the night, God spoke to Abraham And said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Now, when, when men made covenants, they would cut up a a sheep or a lamb. They would dig a trench. They would pour the blood of that lamb in the small trenches, just an old Hebrew Jewish custom. And then they would take their sandals off and both stand in the blood with their feet in that small trench. And sometimes they would, they would hold hands or combine or, or, or grab each other and they would make a covenant. And that was a blood covenant. But of course all those covenants were subject to the character of the one making the covenant. God wanted to make a covenant with Abraham. And so the Bible says that God did that. In fact, if you read it, that exact same thing happened. There's a trench, there's blood, but Abraham didn't stand in the blood. God made Abraham go to sleep and before that, he saw a fire, an incense and a fire pass through. That trench. See, God couldn't take a chance on the character of Abraham. So God made the covenant all by himself, so it would never go away. That the covenant and the sign of the covenant was the circumcision of Abraham. And Abraham had the covenant. You obeyed me, I'm gonna give you a land. Even when when they found Rebekah, this is what Eliezer said: you're gonna be the mother of thousands of millions reading your bible it's incredible because everyone knew what the covenant was going to be your your offspring are going to be like the like the stars in the sky like the like the sand on the seashore abraham god made a covenant with abraham and abraham could not open the door and run the risk of the covenant going back To the place where he came from. Because he came out of that place. And he came through obedience. And he was not going to open the door. I'm teaching something now about family foundations. Wherever you came from. No. God brought you from that place. You cannot. Listen. The covenant that you have is bigger than you. It's bigger than your needs. And Abraham is teaching us something right here. Isaac. It doesn't matter how old he was. He was forty years old. Now, I like this idea of arranged marriages. I think this is very good. I think this is healthy. Several of the fathers have been talking about this here. These kids—they're eighteen, they're twenty-five. They have not. Your brain don't even fully develop till you're twenty-eight. I mean, we're going to leave them to the most important decision of their life. Let me help you. I'll tell you, Reverend Moon—he's married like twenty thousand people. I—I I don't know if it's happy marriages, but. And this is what happened. Eleazar finds the wife. Dad didn't even find the wife. Eleazar found the wife. He's an, he's an aged man. Abraham didn't allow Isaac to go. Not, not because Isaac wasn't old enough, he was old enough. Not because Isaac wasn't intelligent enough, he was very intelligent. Not because the trip was dangerous. Eleazar would have been hurt and wounded far greater than Isaac. But he made sure. That his son didn't go back. That's where I came from. You can't go back there. The covenant is going to stay with you. And in that moment, something happened. The Ur of the Chaldeans had to be shed. It had to be put aside. You see, Abraham left. He obeyed. So little attention is given to obedience. Hear me. The foundation of your life Hinges on obedience, even Jesus Christ himself, who is God and man, God and man, he is fully god he 's fully man, he doesn 't pray one god's not praying to another God, the flesh is crying out to the spirit, the spirit is all around and. And because the Bible says that Jesus was thirsty, but he's also the living water. He, he slept, but he's omnipresent. How could that be? Because he's Emmanuel, God with us. He's born of Mary and overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. And he calls out and here's Jesus, the Son of God, calling out to, to the Father. And Jesus says, if it, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And the flesh had to become submissive to the spirit. Even Jesus struggled with obedience. And we saw it in display in the garden. So no one's going to stand around me and tell me, oh, I don't ever struggle with obedience. Really? Then let God call you to do something that goes against your grain. I like what one man said. He said, no one really knows they're a servant until they're treated like one. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm a servant. Just don't treat me like a servant. Okay. The foundation of the covenant was important because this is going to explain and guide and give revelation to the life of all the people from Abraham to you. Because you, ladies and gentlemen, are grafted into the same vine that came out of Abraham. You and I are the grafted part. We got in the vine. We're the branch that got in the vine. You and I got to be children of Abraham because the Lord ordained it. And I spoke it on Sunday morning, of Christmas Sunday morning, I believe it was, that Simeon saw it when he held the Christ child and said, this is the consolation of Israel to the Gentiles and to Israel. (laughs) They weren't... They weren't confused about this. Here is the foundation of the covenant. And the foundation is that God is the center. God is the center. God is the center. For several thousand years, astrologists and scientists thought that the earth was the center of our solar system. Much like people. Until we figured out that all these planets are not revolving around us. Can you imagine? Can you could you imagine telling people that, you know, the whole world doesn't revolve around you? That would be a shock. God is the center. How about the Lord being the center of everything you do? You know, we sing the song, Jesus be the center of, this is a wonderful song. But most of the lyrics that we sing, I don't even know if we have a relationship to. They just sound good in the melodic harmony that we do this. But if you want God to be the center of your life, then is he the center of your life? How about in the morning, in the evening, in the day? Is he a center of what you think and how you live? Are his laws and principles, do they guide you? God is a center. Now, we don't see it the way that it was seen in the Old Testament because there were so much false gods in opposition that you had to make a very conscious effort. Not right here. We don't make a conscious effort. We're in America. We're, we have a Bible. They didn't have a Bible. Can you, can you imagine? They didn't have a scripture. They didn't have a Bible. They had, they had to know... The Lord on a personal relationship and they did through that, that through sacrifice number two God is holy the foundation is God is holy he's a holy God which just means you can't do whatever you want to do he's a holy God he's holy Jesus said be holy even as my father which is in heaven is holy how about holiness what happened to pursuing holiness we've got to pursue holiness in our life to be holy leads me to the next line. The people of God are set apart because they have to be holy. Because set apart, holy means set apart. But God is holy first, not me. He's called me to be holy, means set apart. See, the foundation is you're set apart. You're not like all the other peoples of the world. Abraham, you're not like everyone else. You're not going to worship all these false gods. Abraham followed a law before Moses ever had the tablet in his hand. I'll let you do your own research on that. Number four, the law of the Lord is premier. Not the law of a land. Not consensus, as I began. Not mass consciousness. The law of the Lord is premier. So what is the law of the Lord? Well, the law of the Lord is very different from the laws of our land. And as we progress through the time, the law of our land will become adverse, to, more adverse to the law of the Lord. I know you believe that. Number five, and finally, the name of the Lord is higher. They were always pursuing the name. They didn't know the name, but they were pursuing the name. The progressive name of God was being revealed little by little by little. And all the progressive names of God in the Old Testament were of his function. (laughs) Hagar named him first. Did you know that? Of course, the rest were named by by patriarchs. Hagar named him first when she was thrown out and thought she was going to die. And she named him because an angel said, I didn't leave you, there's a well right there. The God that is there. That's what she said. Hagar, no relation to Sammy. This, 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 you? Those jokes only go for people who are like, you know, born, in, uh, you know, he had to live through the 80s, 90s. Sorry. I love that joke. I try to use it as often as I can. I just don't ever get to her. The name of the Lord is higher. Think of the powerful name. They were always after the name of the Lord. This is Jacob wrestling with God, with a theophany in the night. He's wrestling. He's wrestling. He's wrestling. And he asked a question. He only asked one question. And the answer came back in a question. What is thy name? And the theophany, the angel of God said, how is it? That you ask after my name. No answer was given. They were always after the name of God. That is why there were so many conjunctions of Yahweh, Jehovah, Nisi, Sidkenu, Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah, Shalom. Always trying to find until finally the name was revealed. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Mary did not name her own son. That name was handed down by the heavenlies. You'll call his name Jesus. He shall save. And Jesus actually means Jehovah has become our salvation. How is that? It's because he becomes the incarnate God. Now unto the king, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Be glory and honor forever. Jesus becomes the embodiment, the incarnation of of Jehovah of the Old Testament. The spirit is invested into the son now. And the foundation of Abraham's life all rested right there. All of these elements rested in Abraham's life. And so Abraham has got to find a wife for his son. And the last thing he's going to do is open up a door to create an appetite for his son. Boy, it looks good back there. It looks good back there. In fact, they're my family. They're all my relatives. Wait a second. That was the sacrifice your father made, blindly made a sacrifice and left all that place and got out of that. And when Eliezer gets back, who is the lead character in the story? It's not Bethuel, it's not Rebecca's father, it's her brother. There's dysfunction in that house. Laban is the one who's making the transaction of a bride. Abraham doesn't even know it. He just says, go find a wife. And he finds a wife and he brings her back. Eliezer is the one who picked out the wife because you can live in an environment, you can't attach yourself to the culture, but also you cannot go back and live where you used to be. Watch pastor now. You can't go back to the lifestyle after you found this. When you get here, there's you can't go back to any other place. You can come from anything to this, but you can't go from this to anything. And surely you can't go back. But when you get here, you can't attach yourself to the world at large. You can't attach yourself because your mind will be so corrupted. You got to get back to the firm foundation and go back to those principles. God is the center of my home and the center of my life. Lay that the first foundation of your life. Tell, Tell someone God is holy. In our family, God is holy. His things are holy. His church is sacred. His people are holy people. We want to be set apart, holy. Huh. You ought to know now, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And the law of the Lord is what I'm after. And the law of the Lord is the whole book. The law of the Lord. You should know, and I'm, I'm just in your handout, and the name of the Lord is higher. And you are different than Abraham. You know the name. Go read the book of Hebrews and they'll say, these all wondered. They were hoping for the promise that we have now. The writer, maybe Paul wrote Hebrews. We're not sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. We know Paul wrote 13 of the epistles of the Bible. No one knows really who wrote Hebrews. It sounds like Paul. If so, he says, these all wondered, hoping for what we have today. They were looking for this reward. Foundations of our lives. Family foundations begin with a covenant in your life the family foundation i i consider isaac i have some issues with isaac but ultimately i know that god will use isaac he is a he's a mama's boy huh. he's He's not a very fair father. He shows favoritism. He's got some complex problems. But I have to say, even in all of his failings and issues, he lies like his dad. He took that bad attribute. He lied when the king asked if she's his wife or his sister. He said, oh, his sister, he lied just like Abraham did. But I will tell you this about Isaac. Isaac understood the value of his father and the covenant. And when the enemy took over some parts of the land and filled in the wells, it was Isaac that went and re-dug those wells and named them again after the name of his father. And when there was a famine in the land, and he was living in Gehar, and he could have left that land, God said, I know there's a famine, but you stay right here in the middle of your famine. You do not leave. I'll be with you in the middle of your famine. And I would say this, about Naomi's husband had he stayed in the land of the Lord even when times were tough his sons would not have been lost in the land of Moab for all the wonderful things that happened to Ruth and in the book of Ruth there's a father and two sons that were lost because they left the good things of God when times got hard Isaac stayed in Gehar he stayed there even when there was a famine here pastor when I tell you there will be times in your walk with God you're going to go through a famine but you stay right where you are and you know I can't go back there and I'm not going to get accustomed to the world here because you are people of the covenant and the covenant that you have is the covenant of the heart. Because the prophet wrote in the Bible. Here's what the prophet said. God said, I'm going to put a new law in your heart. I'm going to put a new covenant in your heart. I'm going to take out that stony heart and put in a heart of flesh. means It means I'm going to write my laws on your heart. Now the covenant is the covenant of the heart. The covenant is when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now how do we know that? Because the covenant, the law, was passed down at Sinai. It happened 50 days after they were passed over by the angel. 50 days after the Passover and they ran out of Egypt. Fifty days later, they're at the foot of Mount Sinai. And Moses went up to see God on the mountain. And he got the tablets of stone. That was the law. A new law was going to be made. That's Pentecost. Fifty days after Passover. That's Pentecost. <laughs> Moses walks down. His face is shining like a light bulb. He put a veil over his face. See, because when you're with God long enough... Your disposition and countenance changes. When you're not with God, after a while, the house looks bad. <laughs> so I look at this life that we're living, and I'm going to close here and just, I'm giving myself 12 more minutes, and then I might tack on some more, but we'll start with 12. I look at the life. That we're living here and I see how complex things can be I want to go this year to my foundation and build my family foundation the scripture talks about this moment when in fact many of the patriarchs lived through it but they had followed God sometimes they lost their sons and daughters Sometimes they cared little about what happened after their rule was over. Jesus said, what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I also see that as a collective family. And I I, I know it, it probably means it's singular. But what would it profit me if I gained all the world but I lost my family? Um if I lost my children, if my, if I lost my marriage, if I lost if I if I lost myself. <laughs> Even Paul said, I gotta keep my body under subjection lest I myself become a castaway. What what would it matter if 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 the church exploded in membership and, and and I and I preached the most profound sermons or I found great revelations and truths in the Bible, but I lost myself. And the way I lose myself is if my foundation is being messed up. If I, my foundation is being chipped away. I got to go back to my foundation and I know what my foundation is and I return to it. I return to that foundation. And when I get back there, I see things that I need to make, sure, that I need to correct or make sure that are, that are corrected. Because if I don't, eventually things crumble and fall away and they fall away in my life. I would just stress here at the end. And there's a lot more family foundations we want to talk about. We want to talk about we're going to talk about a seed. What a seed is in your family. S E E D planting a seed. We're going to we're going to talk about relaying the sure foundations with good footers which means we have to clear out debris debris all the things that clutter our life. So I'm going to just this word called simplicity, this word of simplicity. Simplicity is critical to our lives. Simplicity. I've I've looked at a few things um, that lead me to know that our lives can become so complex that they, are, they become a deterrent against and I, I, basic praise and worship. I shouldn't say basic, praise and worship. And sometimes we, we open doors that don't need to be open in our own lives and then to our families. We open doors that don't need to be opened. And we offer things to people that don't need to be offered. Not everything that's offered, not every open door is for you to walk through. Not every offering is for you to take. Not every offer that someone makes to you should be, should be readily, even if it looks good, it's not always good to you. And I wrote in your handouts, I believe, that Eve offered the fruit of disobedience. Just because she offered it, Abraham shouldn't have taken the fruit of disobedience. But it tasted good. Listen, disobedience. Is not always bitter and sour. There are pleasures in the world, but they last for a small season, according to Hebrews eleven. Fruit of disobedience, it has it has a result to it. There is something at the end of it. Um, sexual immorality, there is a result to it. It has something at the end of it. it um, uh, All of the gateway drugs, all of the communications, all the words that we say, all the people, all those, all the people that we communicate with these things, there is a result. There is something that happens at the end of it. Eve offers a fruit, but the fruit that she offers is not the right fruit. It's the fruit of disobedience. It tastes good to Adam, but it also opened up a door that they could not close. And Sarah offered the alternative of obedience. See, Sarah said, listen, this has been a long time. Why don't you take my handmaiden and why don't you have a baby with her? That will solve our whole problem. Because there comes a time when you realize I'm, I'm past the moment. The promise was good, but, but it was only good for a moment. And we put expiration dates on God's promises. And that's exactly what Abraham and Sarah did. They said, well, this is not going to work. So we, we figured out a diff, another way, a better way. Here's the way. And she offers Hagar and Abraham this appeals to his natural flesh. And when that happens, they create a firestorm that has never been put out even to this day. No politician in the world is ever going to solve the Middle East because two brothers have been fighting for the past 4,000 years. And you're never going to stop them. (laughs) I could have saved them a lot of money. They just come heard me teach a Bible study. We've lost a lot of treasure, blood, war all over the world. Why? Because those two brothers are still fighting. And they... And there's animosity and hatred because one has the connection to the Father, but the other has the connection to the covenant. They're both sons of the Father, but one has the promise and the other one only has the lineage. And if it were not so, then, then the Bible wouldn't, wouldn't talk about it in such clear terms when finally Isaac was born and Isaac was doing great and God, and God was speaking there with Abraham and Abraham said in, in your Bible, Abraham said, Oh God, would you please allow Ishmael to be grafted into the covenant? Can he have something to? And God said, Oh no, he is the son of the bondwoman. So here we are. We, we've got things opened up. Things have been opened up in our lives. Things that we're taking because they're free. They're offered for free. My, my first year of, of college, I, I stayed in, in a little dorm. And the hall was called, called Defoe Hall. And my brother had been there before me. And he, he had prayed and witnessed to all the guys. And so uh, so he was gone. And I came. They thought that I was a Christian. <laughs> so I guess I had to be... <laughs> And they said, Jeffrey, if you drink, we'll give you a whole year's supply of Michelob. We'll supply it. We'll put it in your little refrigerator. Of course, I had never had a beer, never drank beer in my life. And I said, no, that's okay. It was free. Everything was going to be free. Just because it's free doesn't mean you ought to take it, an offering, whatever is offered. Listen, I got some advice for you. You don't need to have advice from everybody. Be careful before you take advice from everybody. They might lead you the wrong path or plant a seed of doubt in your brain. You got to go back to your foundation. I'm clearing out all pathways. I want to hear from God. I don't want to hear from people. Do I seek to please God or seek to please men? Does the church want to please the community? If we want to please community, let's do community endeavors and remove all the scriptures that, that are egregious to the flesh. Because the flesh will rise up every time. If we want to have a community-based church where anyone can come and anyone can do anything they want to, let's remove the law of the Lord and take God out of the center. Because if God's the center, He's going to demand that we are holy and set apart from the world. In my foundation, I've got to make sure that I'm hearing from God. Does God approve of this? Is this, is the, is this God's word for my life? My foundation. I can't open up every door. And when I do open up those doors... When I do say, it's okay, hey, just, you know, listen, you guys just go find whatever bride you want. Alexandria, you just go find whatever house. No, you're not going back there to find that. You're not going back there to find it. We already made a covenant with God. No, we're going to find it among the people of God. We're going to, we're going to, the promises of God. You're not, you're not going back from where I came from. No, you're going to progress farther and see When that happens, we have to have a simplistic life. Don't open all the doors of this world to your families. Some of those things that you offer, even to yourself, you won't be able to shut them. You can't close them. And finally, I'm going back to simplicity. Simplicity. How I love simplicity. I long for simplicity. Simplicity. In my simplicity, there's joy. In complexity, there's a headache. In simplicity, uh, there's a refuge. Simplicity gives me accountability. The more complex an individual is, the more clouded and cloaked they can be. Simplicity. Simplicity does not mean that I'm dumb. I wouldn't subscribe to that, although some may have. Simplicity doesn't mean that I'm unlearned. Simplicity means that I have narrowed my focus. Hear this now. I have narrowed my focus to know God. His truth and His word. Simplicity means that I have a guarded mind, not an open mind. Boy, oh, I wish you remember this. It means I've guarded what I let in and I guard what I let out. In simplicity, or as the scripture says, let your yeas be yeas and your, your, your nays be nays, for whatsoever more cometh that this is evil. What do you mean? Well, because people like to give long explanations. Sometimes you should say yes or no. Because the more you talk, the more trouble you'll get in. I've, listen, I've, had, I've learned this lesson. I've been married almost 24 years. If she said, what do you mean by that? As I, What did you mean by that? Well, I meant... I didn't work out. My, my best answer is nothing. I, did, I didn't mean anything. It sounded like you might have meant something. No. Do I look fat in this dress? Let me just give you the answer. No. Know that I don't look fat in this dress. You're saying I look fat, but I don't look fat. No, I'm just not saying anything. <laughs> uh-huh. Watch this. This critical for our lives. Timothy, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter. And the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge oh man 2 Timothy 2 4 no man that warreth entangles himself because the complexity of life will tangle you up until finally you are you are engrossed with things that are not spiritual that are not godly that have stolen the preeminence of the name of God and the law of God and God is not the center of your life oh man I wish you could get this word I'm teaching you tonight. This is the foundation of your life. Uh, How many times have I had to help our own church folks because we've gotten ourselves involved in so much stuff and our lives are so complex. And we're making so poor decisions. They're not based upon God. They're not based upon the book. They're not based upon the spirit. There's no prayer. We're asking people for counsel, but we don't go to the prayer room. We never ask God for counsel. Before you ask anybody or text anybody or Facebook anybody or Instagram anybody or get on the phone, go to that prayer room, sit down with God for five minutes. Just give him five minutes and say, God, what should I do? He won't make your life complex. He won't make it out of order. He won't throw you into a tizzy. He's never given anybody wrong direction or wrong advice. Ever. Ever. In the history of mankind. Before you ask anyone anything, go pray. Ask God. Live in simplicity with the Lord. Paul said... I could have done anything, but I've chosen not to know anything more than Jesus Christ and him crucified. He could, have, he could have explained everything. Gamaliel, he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the most profound teacher of the law ever. He sat there with Gamaliel. I think research is going to show me that Gamaliel was the son of Nicodemus. Go search it out. We'll vote on it next week. Can you imagine the influence Paul has been influenced by this incredible teacher and he could have explained everything. That's why he was so bold to go up to Mars Hill in Athens and debate with those philosophers because when he got there, he already knew where they were coming from. And he looked around, he just decided, I found the statue with something inscribed and in it. it says to the unknown God. And he began to reason with them. He knew a lot of things, but he said, I decided to know nothing more than Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because in simplicity... Is a power. It's a power. I don't care how much trivia pursuit questions you can answer. Tell me that you can get a hold of the Most High God. Tell me that you are living consistent daily life every day of your life. Simplicity is not ignorance. Simplistic life is a foundation of understanding, not ignorance. The foundation in simplicity. So here's what I want you to do, Eliezer. I want you to go to that land. Go by yourself. Don't bring my son. You bring back a bride, whoever you bring. And this is what I'm going to tell you. An angel's going to go before you. He won't prepare the way. Because we're protecting, watch this, the simplicity of the covenant. God made a covenant with me. And it's time that Isaac takes it up. God made a covenant with you, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for you to protect it. It's time for you to be devoted to it. And everybody said amen. Please stand with me now.